uh, we had a wonderful consecrate uh, yesterday at the leadership meeting, and I just want to say it was uh, amazing. I'm, I want to be careful about the use of superlatives, but it was really wonderful uh, to see 111 new leaders consecrated uh, for the ministry, and I'm, I'm really encouraged by this. My wife made a, a statement today during the communion about moving forward, about God uh, cleansing and washing us. Uh, when I got back from the leaders' meeting yesterday, a prophet, a seasoned prophet wrote to me and it was a marvellous word for the whole church for 2024. But there's a little segment of the prophetic word that had to do with broken promises. And he said, tell the people in Cornerstone that there are some promises they made to me that they have not yet fulfilled for the year. The year is over, but they need to ask for my forgiveness because this is not to do with rebuke. It has to do with an invitation to move forward with God. Sometimes we need to make sure those things are uh, cleansed and washed before we can move forward with God. And I want to just take this moment to respond to that prophetic word. So could you all stand on your feet and I want to just take a moment to pray. And if you need to ask the Lord right now, this is a really good time that you made promises, not just to the Lord, but to other people that you've not kept. Uh, you need to ask God to forgive you. Repent, ask the blood to wash you. I'm going to kneel for this. Lord, we just come before you this this morning, and Lord, we've all said things that we have not fulfilled. Maybe we've made promises to you as well in 2023 that we have not at the end of the year kept those promises. And we ask that you forgive us, Lord, right now. We ask that you wash us with the blood, Lord. I repent, Lord. We repent of our sin, Lord. We repent of broken promises of words that have not been fulfilled or promised and not, and not done, Lord. And we ask that you wash us, Lord. And I know this is not a rebuke to the church, Lord. This is an invitation so that we can move forward, so that you can joyfully forgive us and, so that, and release us into the fullness and the destiny of this house. So Lord, we just thank you again for your mercies and your grace. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give God a big praise. You may be seated in the presence of God. Amen. My text for today is Psalms 46 and verse uh, 4. Uh, last week I talked about the trees of God. Today I want to talk about the rivers of God. And it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There are many rivers in the world that are venerated by different religious groups. The Ganges River, of course, is venerated and worshipped by the Hindus. The Nile has always been a source of worship by the ancient Egyptians. The Bakmadi River in Nepal, uh, for example, is a holy river for the Hindus. The Osan River in southern Nigeria is the home of a river goddess. And even the Jordan River in, in Israel is seen as a holy and a venerated river by some Christian groups. But there is a river in the Bible where we are told that there are life-giving waters will flow from this river. It is a river that makes glad the city of God. It is a river that wherever it would went, it would bring forth life, hallelujah. And trees on both sides of the river banks would produce fruit in every month, 12 fruits through the year. And the leaves of this river would be used for the healing of the nations. This is the river of God that the prophet Ezekiel had in the 47th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. This is the river, it's a future river. It is yet to be created, but it will be here during the millennial reign of Christ. And those who have qualified and to rule and reign with Christ in the millennium will get the privilege not just to see, taste, and enjoy this amazing river, hallelujah. It is a physical 
actual river. But this river is also a prophetic picture of the great spiritual river that will flow into the church in the last days. Now, as you study the Bible, you will be amazed to find that there are a lot written about rivers. The first river is found right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, the second chapter. And out of a, the source in Eden came a river that when it went out of the Garden of Eden, broke into four parts, into the Gihon, the Pishon, the Tigris, and the Euphrates. In the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, we find another river that flows out from the very throne of God Himself. And this river flows and meanders in the city of the new Jerusalem. But what Ezekiel saw, ladies and gentlemen, was a picture of the very life of God that is coming to the church of Jesus Christ in the very last days. And the result of this infusion of life is that the church will be totally transformed to become a glorious and victorious church. Make no mistake about it. The church will finish in a blaze of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ is not going to cough or splutter or dwindle in numbers or decrease in power. No, sir. All flesh, the Bible says, will see the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel 47 and 10 says that the fish in this great sea will be exceedingly many, indicating a massive harvest at the end of the age. There's coming forth a company of believers in the church that's going to know how to navigate and swim in this mighty river. I want to draw some powerful principles today from the 47th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. The most important thing about a river is the source. Because the purer the source, the greater the influence of the river. Now this river comes from a spring that's directly under the throne of the Messiah Himself in Jerusalem. And out of the throne comes this beautiful spring of living water. And it's a type of another river that is found in heaven. Watch this, please. This is really important. The Revelation chapter 22 and verses 1 to 2. He showed me a pure river of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of its river was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each fruit yielding its fruit each month, um, each tree yielding its fruit each month, sorry. And the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. The river that Ezekiel saw was a physical, literal river on earth that gets its inspiration from a river that is in heaven, hallelujah. These are different rivers, but they are both the rivers of God. God also gave us a beautiful picture of this, of course, in, uh, in Zion. Remember it, when David took the stronghold of Zion, underneath the city of Zion was a spring called the Gihon Springs. And the Gihon Spring is a Katsian spring that, it, that sputters up water, clean, clear, pristine water. If you ever go to Jerusalem, you got to go to the Hezekiah's Tunnel. And those of you who have been through the Hezekiah's Tunnel will know that the spring today still produces clean, clear cold, refreshing water. Hallelujah. Now the question that we need to ask as a church is how far deep are we as a congregation in this river? I've always been intrigued by that. I've always wondered, Lord, where are we in the things of God? Because I think that's a good measurement for our spirituality, our development and maturity as well. In 2020, in September, I had a vivid dream. This is 2020, uh, three years ago, four, now four. Uh, in the dream, I was in a room with some people and all of a sudden this river's gush of water's gushing in and the water came to our ankle level 
And it was, this water was not like when you turn on the tap, it was pure, it was white. It was, um, it was like the waters of a rapid. And I sense then, this is way back in 2020, that this is where Cornerstone is, ankle deep waters. Now don't be discouraged, we are still in the waters, amen. A lot of people are on the banks not even wanting to come into the waters. But we're in the waters and I think that's very encouraging. And the Lord spoke to me at the start of this year. He says, talk about the river. I wanted to talk about load limits today. The God who loads our limits know our limit. The God who limits our loads know our load's limit, amen. And He knows how much we can take. He knows how much we can bear. He knows what we can take, what we can't take. And I felt the Lord was, I was going to write this, I preached this sermon and the Holy Spirit says, talk to them about my river. Hallelujah. Amen. But I believe that today, ladies and gentlemen, this is without any fear of exaggeration. I believe that Cornerstone is knee deep in knee deep waters. Now, the word that He gave to me at the start of the year, He said, my river is going to start flowing in Cornerstone. And when it starts flowing in Cornerstone, two things I require of this church. Number one, he says you must acknowledge the source of the river. This is not Cornerstone River. This is God's river. Amen. This is His river. And number two, he said to me, you must be very unselfish. This river is for everybody. Everybody must come. Everybody can drink from this river. This river must be blessed. Bless the church locally, globally, internationally. This is for everybody. And we must be very unselfish, which means that God is going to put a demand on this house to be very unselfish about the fact that whatever He does here has to be shared with everybody else. Amen. I truly believe that we are in needy waters right now. Now remember, when the water river comes out of the threshold, it was trickling. And then as the moment it came out, it was ankle deep water. And then they measured a thousand cubits, which is about 457 meters. You come to the waters that are knee deep, another thousand cubits waist deep, another thousand cubits, it became a river that one had to swim in. Now a thousand is a millennial Measurement, by the way. Now, the river only began to increase in intensity when it left the threshold. And it's really an important principle for all of us. If we want to see the greater miracles, we've got to go outside the walls of the church. Amen. But let me come back to this in a few moments. Let's talk about ankle deep water. I took up swimming at a very young age. My parents wanted me to learn swimming, but not just to swim, but to swim competitively. I remember my first swimming lesson. It was in the children's pool. What's the one thing that defines the children's pool, ladies and gentlemen? Shallow, all right? That's where we all start. We all begin at the shallow end of the water pool. We all begin at ankle deep water, but that's only the beginning of the journey. If I could say ankle deep water is God's minimum in the river because you can't really swim in ankle deep waters. In fact, you can't even tread on ankle deep waters. All you can do is waddle. But this is where we all begin our swimming lessons. And the tragedy of so many Christians is that sometimes we're just contented to stay at ankle deep water. What's worse is we don't even want to come into the river. And there are Christians, you know, that don't want to come into the river. Ah, don't talk to me about that prophetic stuff. Don't talk to me about all that spiritual stuff. Don't talk to me about all that mystical Holy Spirit stuff. They don't even want to come into the river. But it starts with ankle deep waters and a lot of Christians prefer shallow waters. But the day came when my instructor brought me into the big pool. In those days, we call it the big pool or the competition, the 50-meter pool. 
I remember the first time I was swimming in a big pool. I wasn't swimming. I had the aid of a floating board and all children start off with floating boards by learning how to propel themselves by kicking, right? And so one day I was happily kicking away uh, on the board and suddenly my, my, crap, my sneaky uh, swimming instructor came out of nowhere and took the board away and I, man, I started sinking. I started flailing. I panicked and uh, just to keep my, my, myself afloat, I did, but not before I drank a lot of water. But that's also the day I learned how to swim. Now, now and then, God will come and kick your boards away. Amen. He'll kick those crutches away because He wants you to learn how to trust in Him. Because what is the one big fear of swimming? Pastor Rock, what's the one big fear of swimming? Drowning. This fear of drowning. And I'll tell you this, my friends, we've got to overcome the fear of, be, of drowning. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, he said, some Christians set sail on their boats at such low spiritual waters that the keel scrapes the gravel of bottom all the way to heaven instead of being carried on a flood tide. Come on, Shanda. Now, why do we so often settle for the minimum? Why are Christians so, so risk-averse? You know, we don't want to take chances. And um, here's some good advice. Don't ever follow a parked car, Amen. You'll get nowhere. Keep moving on with God. Don't follow park churches, park pastors, park traditions. Amen. Keep moving on with God and do what the Lord told His disciples in Luke chapter 5. Let's launch out into the deep. Amen. Let's launch out into the deep. Now, Cornerstone, if you want to swim, you got to allow Him to throw you in the big pool. Amen. Now, Cornerstone is a knee-deep water church. And God is calling us in this season to go a thousand cubits further to waist-deep water now, waist deep water is when truth is established in the house because the waist, of course, is girded by the belt of truth and we need truth in this house. Amen. And the further we're willing to go with Him, the deeper the river will get. All right? Now, this river flows out from the temple of God, goes down the hill of the Lord and eventually it meanders into the Dead Sea. Now, we read in Ezekiel that everywhere this river went, it brought forth life and healing and finally, when it touched the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea came back into life. Ladies and gentlemen, the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it is dead. Nothing survives in the Dead Sea. 30% salt solution. Not a living organism can survive in that sea. But that sea that was once dead is now brought back to life. And is that not a picture of our resurrection? Hallelujah. Amen. It's the waters that are being healed and soon it's teeming with all kinds of fish. And what's interesting about the river is the path that it takes and how far it flows and how deep it goes. So let me first talk about this point. Go deep in 2024. Go deep in your prayer. Go deep in scripture reading. Go deep in your relationships. Go deep in your marriages. Go deep. Whatever God has given you, go deep. Hallelujah. Launch out into the deep. Many of you uh, pray a lot, I know. And uh, you will know that oftentimes God withholds answers to our prayer, right? Uh, he does not do that to toy with us or play with us. There's a reason why God delays in answering our prayers. Because if He answered all our prayers the moment we pray them, then He's not being a good father, isn't it? He's not gonna, that's only going to spoil us. He's not some uh, Santa Claus who's going to answer every whim and fancy that you have. No, sir. He's your heavenly Father. He knows what's good for you, what's not good for you. He knows when to answer our prayers, when to withhold answering them, and you got to trust Him. 
Some of you have been praying for certain things for a long time and you say, God, don't you care? I prayed for this for a long time. Trust Him, wait for Him because if you will wait for Him in anticipation, when the answer comes, it's like a tree of life. It's like a tree of life. We will appreciate His answer so much more if we wait in faith and anticipation because that's, that's, that's how we go deep. That's how we go deep. That's how we press in, hallelujah, amen. By faith and by patience, the Bible says, we inherit the promises of God. So the first thing is go deep. The second thing is go far. The river of God is just that. It's a river, it meanders. It never runs in a straight course. If you see a channel of water running in a straight course, what do you call that? A longkang, right? <laughs> it's, a ch- it's a channel. It's a drain. A river meanders. It, there's no predetermined route that it takes in. Proverbs 21 and verse 1 says that the heart of the king is like, in the hand of the Lord, it's like rivers of water. Boy, I want my heart to be easily uh, moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'll tell you this, this morning, I, it, might be, it might sound strange to you. Think, you think I'm, Pastor Young is a little over-spiritual. This morning, I got up, put on a shirt. I had a nice blue shirt. I was looking at, I felt the Lord say to me, now go and change. I want you to put on a jacket. Now you might think, ah, it's a small thing. So I went up all the way, got into my white shirt, put on a jacket, and I, I just said, Lord, I don't know why, I just want to be obedient. I hear, I just be obedient. I don't care why. It's, for me, sometimes it's, it might make no sense, but for him, you've been obedient to him. Don't I look better in the jacket anyway? <laughs> a river is useful because it follows a predetermined course. A river that does not have banks, ladies and gentlemen, is a swamp. Or it eventually becomes one. It has to follow the banks. There are two banks of a river, the right and the left. And the right-hand side is the apostolic and the left-hand side is the prophetic. And boy, we need the both apostolic and prophetic leaders in this house. Amen. Strong apostolic, strong prophetic leaders. Cornerstone, we've got to be a strong prophetic church. That's why we've got a school of prophecy. We are training our people to learn to tap into the anointing so that they can prophesy. But you say, Pastor, aren't we a non-profit organization? Yes, I know we are. (laughs) But God wants to raise up a mighty prophetic army in this house. No one pushed the boundaries of the kingdom of God more than the Apostle Paul. He had a mighty river flowing in him but he stepped out of the four walls of the church. And this is a real indication and challenge for us that we will learn to step out of the boundaries of the four walls of the church. That's when the anointing is the greatest. That's when the river is gonna flow most mighty. Jesus said, you are the salt and the light of the earth. You cannot be salt until you are in touch with the world. You cannot be light until you are in in confrontation with darkness. That's where we gotta be in these last days. We gotta get out of the confines of our new, our nice homes and allow the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place where we are constantly in contact. That was a prophetic word that was given to me at the end of last year. And a prophet wrote and he says, Pastor Young, ask to give your staff one day off a week. One day off a month. I'm sorry, not week. One day off a month. And it's not an off day. But get them to go into the community. Get them to serve a, a VWO. Let, get them to serve some uh, organization. Uh, help with the food lines, whatever. But get them to go out and serve. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Isn't that the word of the Lord for us? Amen. So watch this. Everywhere this river went, life 
came and I tell you, life is the most intoxicating thing in all the universe. Jesus said, I've come to bring life and give you life more abundantly. So start praying in your classes, start praying in your jobs, start praying in your homes and say, Lord, let the river of God flow in me. Amen. When you're full of life and there's nothing blocking that flow, you're going to be an agent of life. Spring up our wells and let life come, from, come forth. Another thing I want you to see is in verse 12, we see that along the, the banks of the river, on either side are fruit trees that bore their fruit and their leaves are for the healing of the nations. It's interesting that these trees bore fruit every other month. And in other words, they bore 12 kinds of fruit, right? Now, remember in the book of Genesis, in, Gen in the book of Eden, uh, in Eden, there's a tree of life. Now, the Lord is eternal, but we are immor immortal. We're created with immortality. And our immortality is sustained by eating the fruit of the tree of life. And that's how we are rejuvenated and regenerated. Now, there, there are leaves for the trees that are for healing. I don't know why they're there in heaven, but obviously they're there. And so there, there has to be this healing properties as well that's all around in heaven. Hallelujah. We can take those leaves and smell them and be rejuvenated. But the trees depend on the... It's not the trees that are only special. It's the water that's special. And the water is the waters of living waters. Medical science is now discovering that the water we drink affects us biologically more than we know. And trees, of course, represent people in the Bible. We are the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And where we are planted makes all the difference in life. Come on, my friends, I'll tell you this. Take this. This is a word of the Lord for us. Psalm 1. Is the key psalm. It begins the beginning of all psalms. And in the psalm, we find a man who is blessed. We find a man who is prospering. And this is a man who separated himself from the world and from the things of the world. And he's the man who loves the Bible. And on the Word of God, he meditates day and night. And the Lord says, this man will be like a man planted by trees, by streams of living water, even in the dry seasons. He will still bear fruit. Hallelujah. Amen. So where you are planted is critical for your success and for your prosperity. The man who prospers is, in all he does is the man who's rightly planted by rivers of living water. In other words, which church you go to is vital because there are some churches that are rivers of living water, but there are some churches that are swampy. There are some churches, you've heard me say this before, that are well springs, are streams, or some churches that are raging rivers where it supports tremendous life. Hallelujah. Now, Ezekiel 47 is about Ezekiel seeing into the future about our time. And you know, he was brought into this river and then he came to an edge of the river where it was too overwhelming. He said, I cannot pass over the waters too deep. In essence, he was saying, this is over my head. Now we must pray for the water levels to rise in Cornerstone. Amen. Now people at this level who are swimming are really people who have entered into the rest of God. They're no longer striving. There's no longer any sense of the flesh manifesting. They're trusting God and they're like the river and it just flows and it just meanders and they go wherever the river leads and guides them. I want to come to the place of rest. I believe 2024, the Lord is speaking to me personally and to this congregation. Come into my rest. Amen. Stop striving. Stop trying to do things by your own strength. Trust me, I will lead and guide this church. How many of you think God can do a better job than I can? Amen. We've got to trust Him. So the vision is an overwhelming vision in scope. 
Ezekiel had difficulty comprehending it halfway through the vision. The angel turns and he asks, Son of man, have you seen this? In other words, do you comprehend the magnitude of what you are seeing? Time out for a few moments. Let's pose the same question to this congregation. Do you see what God is trying to show us? Show us. Do you understand the magnitude of this mighty river and what it's going to accomplish when it comes to this earth? Hallelujah. Learn to swim, my friends. The church is going to be a glorious church in the last days. Amen. And I suspect that maybe Ezekiel didn't fully understand the vision because it had to do with our day and with our age. This river will crest just prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Several points I want to make about this river and I'll take this to a landing. Number one, demons don't swim and they don't like water. Amen. Amen. They don't like water. Matthew 12 and verse 43 says that when an unclean spirit is expelled from a man, it goes through dry places or the American Standard Bible says waterless places. What is it that the unclean spirit is looking for? He's looking for rest. Demons, unclean spirits, roam about in dry, waterless places because that's where they seek their rest. Why? Because they can't stand water and neither can they swim. Hallelujah. One of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is water. Demons cannot tolerate the Holy Spirit nor can they stand being in the presence of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the antithesis of all that the demonic represents. He is the river of life. He's the wellspring of salvation. He's the rain from heaven. From Genesis to Revelations, He's symbolized by water. And when I say that demons can't stand water, it's significant because they know what it represents. That whenever the Holy Spirit is present in a meeting, demons do one or two things. They either flee from His presence or they challenge His authority. But the Bible says, greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost in you is stronger than the devil in the people in the world. And through the agency of intercession, we can bind the enemy that is trying to oppose the work of God. Amen. But these dry places also represent dead churches, dry churches. And believe me when I say that churches that are dead, dried up. And these are places that sometimes I think demons like to hang out with and they like to hear these dead philosophical sermons that do not bring any life. So get willing to get wet. Don't stay at the banks, jump into the river. Point number two, it says when you swim, you're in a different element. A new law applies. Now swimming is very different from, from walking, right? Different principles apply. There's one thing you have to overcome when you learn how to swim. You have to overcome the fear of drowning. I'm going to share a picture of something called the African Impala. The African Impala is a very uh, a beautiful animal. I've seen them live uh, in the safaris in, in Africa, but this animal has a unique ability to jump three meters high, standing stationary, three meters high. It has the ability to jump from one point to another point, nine meters. I mean, that's staggering, right? Tremendous uh, 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 beast, these uh, impalas are. But ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to go to Africa to see the impalas. Where, where can I see them, Pastor? Go to Singapore Zoo, hallelujah. <laughs> you can find them there in the zoo. And the interesting thing is that they're all in the impala enclosure and uh, there's a wall that's about one meter high and the wall prevents them from jumping out. Now the impalas can jump three meters. Why don't they escape? They can jump nine meters. Why don't they run away? But here is where the, here's how it's designed. Impalas will not jump when they don't know where they are jumping to. 
If they can't see where they are jumping to, they don't want to jump because they are frightened. They don't know what's going to happen when they jump the wall. And because they don't know where they're going to land, they don't jump. And so the one meter wall is designed to do just that. It is to make sure they don't see what's on the other side. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord says jump, you can trust Him. He's going to be there to catch you. Amen. He says, you know, I love Simon Peter. For all the faults that he had, he was the guy that said, if it is you, call me to come to the waters. Woo! And the Lord was the one who said, come. And so he goes out and he steps on the water. And you know, many of us are like that. We hear the Word of God and we walk and we are walking on the water of God. And then suddenly, halfway through, we stop looking at Jesus and we start going into the water. And we've got to be, make sure that our eyes are on Jesus all the time. Don't just step in faith. Walk in faith as well. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we don't live by what we see. The Bible says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. When you're willing to do that, finally, He's able to take you and throw you into the big pool. And then you're going to learn how to swim. Now, can I just suggest to you that time is not a luxury that we have in unlimited supply. So let's learn to swim quickly because God is eager to bring us to the big pool. Amen. Number three, no two points of the river are the same. Rivers are always flowing. They're always moving. In other words, every revival is going to be different. Did you know that Jesus never healed the same, uh, two people the same way? Every time He healed somebody, it was always different from the way He healed them. It's just to let us know it's not about methods. It's about hearing the voice of God. The fourth one is the quality of water in the river will determine the fruit. This is the pulpit. Out of the pulpit goes the Word. The Word carries the seed of the kingdom and the water of God carries it into your heart, germinates into your heart. Some of you hear the Word, it produces 600-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. It's interesting that when God was, uh, Jesus was talking about the parable of the sower, He starts with the 100-fold. If I was telling the parable, I would say, some will be 34, but others, woo, 64, but woo, there'll be those that'll be 100 He doesn't do that. He starts with the 104, 64, and 34. Why? Because his standard is 100 He wants all his children to be 100 believers. But some don't make it and they become 64, and 60 is minus 40. And 34 is minus 70. In other words, you, you're not hitting the mark that He has for you. Nothing to do with salvation. Has to do with inheritance and reward. And finally, every river has a terminus. It has an origin, a path, an outlet, and uh, the contents of the river are discharged, usually in a sea. And this river goes into a dead sea that makes it come alive. I read the Bible yesterday in the book of Revelation. Did you know that in heaven there is no sea? There is no sea in heaven because the, 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 the sea in the Bible is always likened to the teeming masses of humanity or it says that the wicked are like a raging sea. There's no rest for them. I want to close with one scripture in the book of John. On the feast of tabernacles, Jesus said on the last day of the feast, anyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink and out of his innermost beings will flow rivers of living water. I want you to stand on your feet right now. I want you to stand on your feet. I'm not a, I'm not a spooky Christian. I'm not a, I don't, you know, go for all these flaky stuff. I, I don't have an inclination for these things. But you know, I must tell you this, that every time I look at my phone, it's 444. Every time I, I don't know, I don't know, it's, I see this 444 appearing everywhere. 
And I wonder whether God is trying to get our attention. You know, sometimes numbers speak to us. I got turn my phone on and it's 444. I switch on my phone and it's 444. And this is Isaiah 44 and verse 4. I will pour my water on him who is thirsty and floods on dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. And they will be like among the grass and like the willows of the water courses, they will sprout. Hallelujah. This is the word of the Lord from Cornerstone. If you're thirsty, let come to him and drink. And he said, out of your innermost beings is going to flow rivers of living water. Cornerstone is a spiritual church. Hallelujah. We were birthed as a spiritual church. We will continue as a spiritual church. When we were birthed, we were learning how to even step into the river. Today, we are a knee-deep church. Let's don't stop there. Let's go deeper into the waters of God. Let's allow God to establish His Word in us. Let's allow God to establish the river of God in a Shima Mamu Kazaba. If you learn to speak in tongues, you're learning how to allow the river to flow right now in your life. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I want more of it, the river of God flowing in my life. Right now, I want to ask you, how many of you are thirsty? And you say, Pastor, I want to drink. I want to drink from the Holy Ghost. I want to drink from Jesus. I want to have my nourishment from Him. If you're thirsty this morning, if you want more of God, and my brother and my sister, if you want that river to flow in you, wherever you are in this house, get off your seats and come to the front at the altar because here at the altar, God is going to meet with you. I believe that today, I believe Holy Spirit wants to touch you. I, I've seen the last two services with the powerful manifestation of God's presence, very powerful manifestation of God's presence here in the services. So you come, you just want the river. You say, Pastor, I want that river to flow. Don't worry about who's watching. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's, but God's watching your heart to see what you want, how much you desire. Come on to the front and say, Pastor, I want the Holy Ghost more. I want to flow, 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 hallelujah. just listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.